and welcome to Sonic Talk. This is a pre-recorded show. I'm Mark Ty Wharton, aka Tinley, and as a follow-up to the interview Sonic State brought you a couple of weeks ago, with Nick Bat interviewing myself and Anthony J. Rester, I'm presenting another special. What follows is two conversations about the TV Mania project I produced with Nick Rhodes and Warren Cucurulo. We're going to talk about the philosophy, the technology and the franchise, which I encourage you to be a part of. You can find out more about that from tvmaniamusic.com. to spend 
searching for some inspiration, which of course was understandable. And we said, fine. Uh, but as Warren and I didn't really want to stop working, we stayed in the studio and had to invent something to do, something new to do. And we'd recently been working with um, uh, an opera set designer, uh, production, oh, yeah. uh, Stefanos Lazaridis, who sadly is no longer with us, but he was hugely creative and worked with us on the wedding album tour. And he said to Warren and I, well, I'd love to collaborate more. Can you possibly come up with something that we might be able to work on together? So we were thinking in a very visual sense, and it sort of all came about by us discussing what we might want to write about or create the project around. And I had this vision in my head of a dysfunctional family, but real stereotypes. So, for example, the mother was a, on pharmaceutical pills. The, the father was a religious freak. The son was a, a computer hacker and obsessed with online games. And the daughter was incredibly beautiful and just wanted to be famous for any possible reason, but didn't really know why. Um, and it seemed like they were the archetypal modern family with all the things that we were viewing at that stage, because not only was the Internet um, developing rapidly, uh, we were also... Um, overwhelmed with surveillance cameras everywhere we went, uh, London being the most surveilled city in the world. And we also were sort of at the birth of new pharmaceuticals, uh, such as Prozac and, um, well, anything that sort of sounded like an alien in Star Trek, <laughs> Vicodin, you know, those kind of things. Oh, were, gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, so... I think that that all uh, colored the way we were looking at things. And I, I really wanted to do a sort of pop culture piece. And we'd never written a concept album. And in some ways, it, it's sort of a dirty word because you think of those sort of triple concept albums from the 70s with drawings of goblins and pixies oh. on the covers. That wasn't what we were thinking at all. It was something high-tech, modern, and relative to the fabric of our society. And so that's where we started. And once I got this idea of this family, Warren and I threw the ideas around a lot and um, came up with this concept that there was a family who were so, um, that they were so, um, I don't know, perfect for, uh, for the media that they were discovered by scientists who said, look, we need to study them. We need to find out what's going wrong in the world and why families are ending up like this. So they, they, they were going to take them and put them in a house and seal them uh, so they couldn't get out, uh, and they would just film them 24 hours a day. Now, that all sounds rather familiar at this point, uh. but actually when we'd 
come up with this idea, there was nothing. There was no Big Brother or uh, Survivor or um, whatever all the other children those shows had. And there wasn't the Truman Show either. So, so we, we literally based everything on this family and developed the story to the point where we even said, well, the family uh, are going to be in there. They're not going to know what's going on. The scientists are going to be looking at it, and they're going to realize the enormous potential that this could be broadcast live on the Internet around the world, and they're going to sell the rights without the family even knowing what they're doing and that everybody is watching everything they're doing. So that's how how developed it was. In fact, there's an entire story which. Um, well, you gave me a script. I yeah. remember like this huge script that you came in with and said, "There's the outline for the the story." And I was like, yeah, "Whoa!" Was, was in fact, I think I've still got it somewhere. Yeah. 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 I, I, and well, we printed. Um, I think I think pretty much the same thing in the um, in the album packaging because I think in in retrospect. It's much more interesting. The reason we dropped that and uh, um, back then in 96 was we, we, we saw the Truman Show about, I don't know, six, nine months after we'd finished the album. That came out. And Warren and I looked at each other and said, wow, well, there goes that idea. That's, that's, uh, it's too close. There's a lot of other people obviously been thinking the same things because that technology's out there and it's, it's, it's in the atmosphere. It's bound to happen. Well, they've done it. And then a few months later, there was Survivor and Big Brother and everything else, and we know, we know the history. But what we did have is we had the music that we created inspired by that idea of the family. So when we, when we found samples for things like Beautiful Clothes or I Want to Make Films, they were for the daughter. And then when we found Using a Hidden Camera, that was sort of for the son. And when we found things for euphoria, that was for the mother. And what about God was for the father. So it all pieced together and sort of made sense for us. It's, um, it's good to look for inspiration in different places. Otherwise, we're back to the same place we, we, we started talking about earlier, where, where everything starts to sound the same. All the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about God? Do you have a God? An all-powerful being, a force, an intelligent force, God, all the same, all the same. a little room 
in Battersea for quite a bit of time. And we were soaking up what was going on in the world around us, listening to listening to the music that was out there, watching things on TV, and more importantly, watching the development of the internet, which was so extraordinarily exciting in the, in the late 90s. And I think that everybody involved with the TV Mania project realized the significance of the internet. Uh, I know you were um, way ahead of most people when when you were looking at it, knowing where it was going to go. What I was curious about was how quick the proliferation would be and how people would adopt it and, and use it for their own purposes in their lives. For us, obviously, music was... Um, uh, W w was a simple transition. Once, once, once I saw Napster, I, I knew that the future was never, ever going to be the same again. Um, in fact, in '97, uh, Duran Duran became the first band to ever sell a legal download online with the song "Electric Barbarella." I pushed the oh, button yeah. myself at Abbey Road, and that was kind of a monumental moment looking back at it because we all knew you could transfer files and Napster was exploding, but the fact that you could sell them to people, honest people out there, and actually um, potentially there was a future for, for, for the music business online, that, that was the first time we, we realized that. And that was 97, and I don't think uh, iTunes happened uh, for another six years. Well, no, it didn't, because I ran that digitization company, and we were doing that in 2000, I think, and we were a business-to-business -business provider, and Apple weren't even in that business model at that point. So right. I don't think that happened until after that company folded, which was 2001, I think. So Apple didn't come on the scene until about 2002, maybe? Obviously, obviously the, the brand was around for a long time. Oh, sure. The, but the iTunes, I believe, was launched uh, 10 years ago. And so, um, yeah, 2003. It's amazing what happened in that six-year void to me um, that nobody really jumped on it. Of course, I think the labels handled it extraordinarily badly uh, in hindsight because of course instead of trying to smash up this incredible technology they should have embraced it um, it's easy to say now but but even then I, I i did think it was completely the wrong way to look at it hence we did do the first download with electric barbarella but given the background of that and what we were looking at and um the technology that was available then and how we'd moved much more towards digital. We were recording digitally, uh, not into the computer, I believe, if I remember rightly. It was, we, were, we were using um, digital tape machines. Yeah, we were doing four tracks at a time into the computer. So we were recording things in the computer and then cutting it all up. And then after you'd used four tracks in the computer, we'd run out of tracks. So we had to bounce it onto the... DA88. Right. It was Adams at first, wasn't it? And yeah. then we upgraded to DA88. So we were kind of bouncing stuff back and forth between four tracks on the computer and digital tape machines. So we right. had 24 
tracks of digital tape and four track but then I'd had all those samplers as well didn't I like hundreds of them there's a strange parallel to how people were working in the 60s on particularly the Beatles with um, you know when they were recording uh, on four track and then on eight track I think for Sergeant Peppers um, that's yeah, exactly what they had to do it. they had to constantly bounce things and to um, put tracks together so 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 that you could make space for the next thing. Uh, it, bizarre that we chose to do it that way rather than tape, but I suppose also it was much more convenient because we we were in a tiny room and we couldn't have had some great big twenty four or forty eight track tape machine and all the, um, the servicing that you need to to make that work properly. Euphoria. Through this fatal news, I have no time to think. Don't wanna wake up in your world, out of focus, fading in. Donated people are real, I freeze a single frame from the life I used to lead before all turned reality. that seems to be really common and absolutely all over everything now is that vocoded vocal style, the thing we did on Euphoria with Madeline's voice, mm -hmm. the Digitech vocalist. Now, everything sounds like that. Nearly every record that's in the charts has that kind of slightly robotic sort of feel to it. So mm -hmm. listening to but that... Often for the wrong reasons. Well, because people can't sing. Um, mind you, there's lots of people that, that can sing perfectly well that use it as an effect. It's just, yeah, I, I mean, for us, we, we, we have always um, tried to use the latest technology in the best possible ways to uh, adopt it for our sound. So when a new box arrives that does something that we haven't discovered before, of course, we want to explore, and, and I think the the, um, the Digitech vocalist um, on that, uh, it was one of those prime examples where we got it out, didn't even read the book properly, and started playing with it oh. to see what we could do. Uh, and and it is, um, it's held up well on Euphoria. I, I think Madeline's voice sounds great, but also all the um, all the stuff at the beginning with all the harmonies on it, you hadn't heard that sound then. Funnily enough, I still haven't heard it much now. Um, no, people don't use it for harmonies very much, and it does do that remarkably well. But I guess that's because people are using auto-tune or Melodyne or uh, some other kind of tuning method, and then maybe they're not thinking so much about the harmonies. Yeah, quite quite possibly. Uh, and I think it's, it's the, 
a fashion is what's happened to the sound. Mm. It's it's something that people are, are used to, and it feels familiar and good to a generation of people. Actually, I'm to the point where if somebody doesn't start using it differently, I'm going to have to block all all new music out of my, yeah, my life, too. I think, because it, 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 I have to confess it does drive me a little crazy. I mean, the, the antidote is to go and listen to Iggy Pop and the Stooges if you listen to some of that early stuff. And how it's unbelievably so... new does it sound when, yep. you, when you parallel it to the, the homogenized... Um, Sound he's, that, he's, that, that he's so so um, ubiquitous now. But he's such a raw kind of cool, out of time and out of tune that he's almost like not in the same arena as the band. It's almost like I he's in a different that. space. And it's oh, this is like it just sounds really energetic and fresh. Like it's, it's human. People used to want to capture a performance. Yes, we appear to have gone backwards in in many many ways. You've got to make decisions, intelligent decisions, about how to use it. Because if you just let it take over and say, well, anyone can make a record now, you push all these buttons, you go onto garage band, you do do what you want, there's plenty of nice sounds in there, um, then that's why everything ends up sounding the same. I mean, I mean, even to the point where like all the plug-in synths all sound pretty much the same, actually. Well, it was inevitable. It, it, it's become like fast food. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's pre-prepared meals. That's what people are making songs out of. And occasionally somebody comes along and says, oh, I'm going to make a sound myself that's different than those other sounds. And actually, I'm going to use a completely different arrangement and I'm not going to use the same beat that we all have to listen to ad nauseum every day. And you end up with something more interesting. I think my brother's a good example of that, actually. His neo-waltz thing's extremely interesting. Yes, indeed. I, I went to one of his evenings, and there was a whole load of people all dressed up in really over-the-top fetish wear and crossed with Victoriana all waltzing. That's <laughs> kind of me. Mm, I, I, um, I, I think it's important to always try and keep a perspective on music. What, what's great about what has happened on iTunes and digitally for all of us is that you can discover lots of different types of music and uh, everything is now pretty much available uh, on iTunes or Amazon or wherever you go and, and you can find things really quickly um, and you can, you can have it there in a second. What mm. more could you have possibly hoped for? When we were kids, if, if, if you, somebody had said, look, you just click something, and, and it gets delivered to you immediately in the middle of the night from wherever in, in the ether, we would never have, have, have believed it possible, of course, but now everybody takes it for granted. Um, I have to say on, a, on another angle, not that I, I keep, I keep um, talking about the past here, which I don't very often, but, but I, I must say I'm, I'm very happy to see the, the rise of vinyl again. Yeah. Uh, a shame about HMV here in, in the UK being our last great record store chain to, to close down, but great news about vinyl. Um, when we were okay. releasing the TV Mania project, uh, I absolutely was insistent that we put it out on vinyl because I wanted to have the most amazing sounding 
fidelity experience that you could. And, uh, and it worked out incredibly well. We did it with a vinyl factory here. Who are absolutely brilliant. Really, um, the future of music, bizarrely, being vinyl and, and obviously downloads. I've noticed this happening on Facebook, actually, everyone discussing vinyl. And you see it kind of people's Twitter feed going past and someone will say, oh, I just went out and bought a record player. And then people are going out and buying records and then they're having vinyl parties. So they're getting hold of loads of old records and then getting together and playing records. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, absolutely, I agree. But so, I mean, I guess ours will be amongst that. People will be able to play ours while they're having vinyl parties. I hope so, because I, I'm truly thrilled that it's out on that format i still think it is the most valid um experience um audio experience format out there we were all completely conned by people saying that cds were were, were actually better and better quality less noise maybe maybe less noise but but of course we like the noise that's the other thing, is everything is so clean and perfect now. I spend most of my life in the studio, if I'm dealing with anything digital, smashing it up so that it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> we did that with the K2000, though, because I seem to remember that we ran everything that was in the K2000 through your AKS Synthi. Yes. So everything had that filter on it. Everything got kind of processed with spring reverb and, you know, old-fashioned... Uh, 24 pole filters. Well, as you know, I'm 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 a I'm a big fan of um, of processing things to try to see what you can do. I I I very much look at making music like making a painting, and you have lots of different things available to you. Lots of brushes, lots of paint, lots of different dust you can throw all over the paint, and if you choose carefully and you develop your technique that's when you find the most interesting things all the records that i like have that element uh to them where, where new records um there, there are some of course but but thinking of i don't know when dance music was changing again when the trip-hop thing happened and massive attack and tricky and and portishead it was the last time i actually really remember thinking Wow. Okay. That's really interesting because they've done something very different with what we had available. And obviously hip hop, uh, I, I think a, a very significant album, um, is fear of a black planet, the public enemy album. That was, I think around 1990. So we should say that's five, six years before we started the TV mania pro project. And, the way they used samples, which were not from television, but they were from uh, other people's records. But they used so many and that they really cut things up um, in, in, in a very new way. Uh, and and I, I feel that that's, um, they, they were way ahead of their time.
because I actually think that's a really innovative idea and it sounds like something which could be a very interesting way for people to get involved in music industry and to promote their own ideas within TV media as an existing brand. How does that franchise thing work? Um, it was actually a very simple idea that I had because, because of the way we made the TV Mania album, which was using samples from television and um, old rhythm units and some analog gear and a few other samples and processing a lot of stuff and building the tracks up together. It was almost like um, a junk shop of bits and pieces that we had, but a beautiful junk shop where you could find gems. And we used to, as you know, we used to lay the samples out over the entire keyboard and you would then just let Warren and I play and sometimes he'd be at one end of the keyboard and I'd be at the other one and he'd be playing some of the more rhythmic parts and I'd play the samples that I wanted to become the lyric or vice versa and so because we made it in that sort of um, scrapbook way it was very hands-on um, almost William Burroughs cut-ups but made out of music, the whole thing, all the samples. I felt that what's happened since we made the record is that music's moved more in that direction, except it has become more formatted and more traditional in that people use samples. You, you don't hear people singing a whole song anymore. You sort of hear them sing a chorus and then they it gets repeated and copied and pasted into the next one and uh. and and it's actually the technology that I was hoping would be used more for experimentation has ended up being used more to make the same pattern time after time. But having said that, I'm sure there's a lot of creative people out there some who are already musicians or DJs or artists, others who've never touched anything. And I would say to all of them, you should try to make something if it's appealing to you. And you'd be surprised with the technology, if you're not familiar, how easy it can become. And don't be afraid of doing something that you think might be wrong that's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and explore something and try to find ways to make something that is appealing to you. And so what the franchise was really about was to say, well, look, TV Mania uh, is not uh, an active band. Uh, in fact, um, we sort of sadly disbanded 
17 years ago after we made this record. Uh, of course, Warren and I uh, still know each other and we communicate and we had a lovely time when we launched the project in London together. But we're not going to be going out playing shows. It seems a shame to not have this TV mania uh, mentality out there in the world. So I just thought, well, if there's anyone who wants to make something and would like to find a channel to put it up online, if they follow the simple manifesto that we're going to put up on the website, um, TV, tvmaniamusic.com, very, very shortly, the idea is going to be, here's some rules. You can break rules. That's what they're there for. But it's just some guidelines to give people ideas of what it should be about. For example, use analog rhythm units. Uh, sample people talking, um, use any kind of sounds that you find that you think will work with what you're doing. Um, it's just a few guidelines of how we made TV Mania and a few um, interesting ideas, principles. And we're, we're, we're trying to encourage people to make what they want, then upload it to our site and we can put them all together so you, you can get a TV Mania franchise. So, for example, if you happen to live in Mumbai, you can apply for the franchise for TV Mania Mumbai or equally for TV Mania Adelaide or TV Mania Hong Kong. <laughs> Welcome to TV Mania, Russia. We have made some music with our franchise. Welcome to TV Mania. Welcome to TV Mania, Russia. If these start springing up in different countries or areas, we may even have a little mini genre of our own, of people that make these, this kind of music out of the, the things that we're going to provide as um, options, uh, because we, we have, uh, well, you prepared, Tinley, um, a fantastic selection of sounds that we actually used on the album and some of the samples. So people have that and can use that, or they can go and use whatever they want from wherever they want, Obviously, the one thing I must make very clear is that uh, if you're using a sample of anybody, you must try to clear that sample um, uh, before it can be used for anything commercial at all. Um, but, but otherwise, it's quite a, an open book. And, and I like the idea of different people from different um, areas of life, culture, creating something when they haven't necessarily done it before or creating something that they haven't tried to do before. So we're just sort of opening the doors and saying, please come in, send something in. Of course, whatever you make, you own the copyright on and um, you never know what might come out of it. 
it's a, a bizarre new way of trying to make a, a, a reality project creative rather than trying to find the same thing again and again and again. The banality of life. The banality of life. The banality of life. The banality of life. I love it. I see something that glitters and I go right for it. It is the most incredible stuff. imagined 
I mean, even to the point that they said that what Anthony did with some of those sounds is just incredible. When I listen to that, on, if I listen on my laptop, I look at the laptop and I look at where the sound's coming from and I'm thinking, why is the sound over there? It doesn't sound like it's coming from the laptop at all. It actually sounds like it's coming from two feet either side of the laptop. It's just such a huge, wide sound. I think that's partly that RSS thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's extraordinary. But what was interesting about that, if you remember, when we finally found the, the tapes and we were, we, we'd mastered everything, and uh, you and Anthony and Warren were all saying, the master sounds amazing. And I was listening to it saying, no, 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 no. There's something really wrong with this. Uh, the, yeah. the, the, the vocals, are, uh, it's just not right. And... I couldn't understand why, because everybody else seemed so clear, and I thought, surely people are hearing this. And you were the one that actually figured out that the MacBook Pro that I had, that particular model... Yeah, you've got the one with the dodgy subwoofer, haven't you? <laughs> well, it had a problem with, with... Yes, exactly, with processing that sound. And therefore, um, it... it um, it wasn't sounding the same as it was. When I listened on somebody else's Mac that was at that time, I know, three months newer than mine, it sounded absolutely perfect. But on mine, it sounded horrendous. So there goes technology for you. That's what happens when you change the format every five minutes. But yeah. I have to say, I'm very happy with my new MacBook Pro. Have you got an iPad yet? An iPad? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, of course. Like oh, the, yeah, I've got the, the, the MS20 is fun. Have you got that? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. There's so many great things on the iPad. It's it's uh, it's because I can joy, touch it. joy to our lives, Mr. Exactly, Simon. but because I can touch it with ten fingers at once, it means that I can like kind of take a sound and do something really expressive with it, mm. which yeah. I can't do with a guitar and I can't do with a keyboard. So, and then of course it's got the motion sensor and all the other stuff in it. So, Fantastic. yeah, excellent, Mr. Timmy. Right, I believe I better go. Um, so I hope you've got enough there. I'm sure I have. I'm... All right, Mr. Tinley. Lovely to speak to you. Andrew, all right. Speak to you speak soon. To you soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye.
Hello? Warren. Mr. Tinley. Hello. I've finally overcome oh, dyslexia and dialed the right number, having dialed the wrong Jesus number several Christ. times. Alcohol does that to you, too. That's why I stopped uh, drinking. Uh, no, I haven't drunk alcohol. I'm just dyslexic. <laughs> oh. So how are you? I always say to people, the worst thing anyone could ever ask Warren Cucurullo is, so how's it been going? <laughs> <laughs> What's been going on? So what has been going on? <laughs> Am I dreaming? You're dreaming now. Am I dreaming? So how'd it go? Nick's in rare form, isn't he? Yeah, so I've done two things. I've done, I did a recording with Anthony, and we did that on video, and that's gone on YouTube, and it's gone on sonicstate.com. Oh, we talked about awesome. the franchise, and we talked about all the technology that we used. And then I phoned Nick last night, and we had another conversation, basically, about how the project started, and um, again, some of the technology that we used. Um, I don't know how you want to do it, if, if you want to answer the same kind of questions or just talk about the TV maybe? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's do it, yeah. There's this woman called Diana Deutsch and she's a musical psychologist and she's identified that if you repeat dialogue over and over again, there's something that the brain does that starts to hear it as music. I think you're very good at picking out musical hooks that are naturally in the way people intonate. I think that your brain must be wired to hear that stuff like way quicker than everyone else. See, people who think they're not talking in melodies are actually wrong. People who think they're not talking in rhythms are actually wrong because everything you say or hear is a melody and a rhythm. There's just no way around it. Uh, some of them are more interesting than others, and some of them certainly will pop out, you know, just like a thunderclap does. That's how it is to me. I mean, um, it's same thing with phrases. It's not just um, the actual sound of the sample. It's just a phrase that somebody can say. You know, you have to have your kind of a Tarantino radar on all the time. It's like anything you hear anyone say might be worth writing down. Uh, Zappa was a big one on that. It's like anything you think of that you think is okay, write it down because you're going to forget it. My thing was always, I don't want to write it down because I want to work on it in my head and make it worth remembering and unforgettable. And if I forget it, it wasn't worth working on. It's weird. See, it must be different for you now, because I remember the TV Mania record when we were doing that. We had four tracks of computer recording, and then we had 24 tracks of digital audio. But, I mean, I seem to remember you forever being frustrated, because I could never make those machines work as fast as you could think. So I was always like, oh, hang on, I've just got to back all of this up to CD, because we only had, like, that tiny little hard drive and, you know, hardly any memory or anything. So I know, but you know what that's helped me with? Because I just brought that up yesterday, too to Eric, who I was working with here at his studio, writing together. It's, um, that has given me an unbelievable amount of patience in really? the studio. Like, even when it becomes like the DMV, you know, when you just, because when we were working together, 
which I always thought was, you know, <laughs> miraculous times. We just came up with the most incredible stuff. And it was a great environment, great creative environment. But the computers were so slow. And so I've always had this kind of, and you were the, one of the only guys that I knew, you and John Jones and Eddie Clothier, are probably three people I knew that actually knew how to do something with a computer. You know, I was just always so anti it. You know, now things can take a long time too. Well, one, because yes, I do think very quickly and I, I like to spit out an idea and I don't want to sit for 25, 35, 45 minutes with the idea in my head where I might even get bored of it by the time I even get to try it out, you know, and that becomes, you know, makes work a little bit more stressful. But because of what we did back in the early days, I'm kind of used to sitting on the couch and just kind of, you know, you know, waiting, you know, maybe I'll come up with something else in the meantime. Don't want to forget this one, but, you know. You grab the sun. into a computer and turn it into MIDI notes, which is kind of weird. 
it's really important to write stuff down. So it's not just developing a tune in your head that I can do just because I get like a track going in my head from a germ and it will develop and develop and I can just keep working on it since I'm not really a technical guy. Um, you know, I can play an instrument, but I'm not really good with machines that are used for recording. I never really got into being a guy who can record himself. Um, you know, I just never wanted to get into it because I would just get so into that and I didn't want to do it. Now, what I'm doing now, the way I feel is uh, I'm more like a fashion designer trying to get the spring line ready, you know, just on one song. It's like that. Or a movie director who knows he's got a million things to get together, but it's going to be done on this date and we're going to have it, you know, and that's the way I feel like more like that than a guitar player, you know, um, yeah, and I, 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 I love playing guitars. To me, it's like one of the ultimate ways to express. But you know, there's something about just kind of directing a project, um, writing the words, the melodies, you know, coming up with things, the titles. It's more like it's it's like it's like being a designer. See, I've never understood that with grooves. You know, like when you get a groove going, and then somebody says, "Oh, you've got to change all the chords for the chorus." I've never got that, which is why I love. I want to make films because it just doesn't change. It's just like that baseline, and that's <laughs> like the groove. That is the groove. You don't lose the groove anywhere in that song by going, "Oh, I'm going to have to change some notes so that I can do some different chords." And I, I, I suppose I tend to write bass lines that stay the same all the way through the song and will work through a different set of chords, uh, which is sometimes limiting. But oh, I, really, awesome. I want that groove to always be there. I suppose this is too many TB303s, maybe, <laughs> jammed on yeah. a single pattern. Yeah. But that's where trance came from, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, that's what, that's what it is. It's just hypnotic, you know, they'll stay in the key, Indian music drones, you know, and it would bring you to another place, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, a lot of droney music does that. I like the so fact, got, well, I like those kind of like beyond blue notes that they do in Indian music where they literally go to a note that's like somewhere in between. God, do you I know think. who invented auto-tune, by the way? I mean, the company is called Antares, isn't it? A-N-T-A-R-E-S. Well, let's just let's they, work on some quick anagrams, Mr. Tin. <laughs> See what it could be. <laughs> I mean, whether they invented they the first automatic tuning program or not, I don't know. But auto-tune came after the Digitech vocalist, didn't it? Yeah, to me, the Digitech vocalist is... I, I was talking about it the other day because I thought we, there might be one around, but TC's got some cool boxes now. Yeah. Um, I use Melodyne, Solemony's me Melodyne, which yeah, is really I got good. Yeah, Eric's got all these things, but do you have to like do it completely out of tune for it to do its most radical thing? Like, do you have to go like, instead of just for example, would you have to go like uh, beautiful, beautiful clothes? beautiful beautiful clothes you know what i mean and just do it on one word and then tune it and it gets you get a more radical effect or can you just sing it and then correct it because like with emma she sings so in tune when i try to get a robotic effect on her voice with autotune or melodyne even it's not correcting it at all because she's so spot on <laughs> Uh, maybe you need to get so, another vocalist because that, uh, not another vocalist as in a physical female vocalist, but as in a, one of those rack units, because you were able to plug the MIDI keyboard into the back of that unit and then play it on the key. Play it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but so, aren't you doing that anyway with the mouse? You're telling it, play this, no, play that, no. 
or is it just yeah there's a lot of, there's saying. a lot of parameters to change to do yeah, that yeah, it's not yeah. it's much quicker to just play it in from keys I'd rather play everything in from keys yeah I mean so. the thing the thing with uh, with the Melodyne is that you need to go and there's there's three or four different things happening in there so there's the note correction and it doesn't always do like absolutely hard note correction so you have to go in and manually edit it and make sure everything's absolutely spot on the grid then you've got modulations with vibrato or whatever you've got to go and switch all that off and flatten it and then the other thing you've got is slides between notes you go and switch all them off then you start getting those hard cut things so you've got to edit all of those things. You've got to like take all the drift off. You've got to take yeah, all the modulation all off. You know, switch all that off. What I'm saying is break it up into all the small tweaking, pieces. With and all then the tweaking, I have not heard it do what it. I like it to do yet. <laughs> right. With all, yeah, with you all should, of that. I think you should buy another vocalist rack then. Right. And just play and and feed the um, feed the signal into the back of the vocalist and play it off the keys. I'm sure you can do that with a TC Helicon as well, though. especially as the um, you know we no longer have to rely on ISDN and yeah, dodgy internet connections 
I can I can yeah. send you a gigabyte of data in about thirty minutes probably, and we can just send the whole song across, and you know a whole session, yeah. and my computer will load what your computer loads, and yeah. and so on, and and uh, everybody's in the same kind of game now, aren't they? Rather than that whole yeah. kind of oh we need it in this format or that format, and oh sorry it won't work, and yeah we've been through some stuff in the nineties, that's oh, for sure. Jesus, didn't we? Unbelievable. And we thought we were in the future then. We did. But can you imagine? Yeah. I, mean, I just got. Uh, I I do keep harping on about this, but I've just got an iPad, an iPad Mini, and uh-huh. I've just been playing around with that this evening. And it's got. I've got this. Um, can you remember that guy who came to the studio and he brought that box and it had hexagon-shaped buttons dude, on it? Dude, I bought one for Paul Allen. Did you? Yeah. Well, I've just bought an iPad. He contacted me, this guy, this, the guy who did that, and I, I, I got one, but I gave it to Paul Allen as a gift, of, you know. So, I mean, ever since that guy came, I've always wanted one of those, but I just bought an iPad for £6.99 that is wireless. That? It, it does that on the iPad screen, so I can lay it out with hexagons any way I want to, with any scale, in any direction, oh. and then it does wireless MIDI. So I play it on the iPad. I can walk around my house playing the iPad, and it comes out of my computer and it plays any sound I want it to. It's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like looking at the computer, thinking, "How's that sound coming out of it?" I mean, I know how it's working, but it just seems incomprehensible compared to where we were when we were doing the TV Mania thing. It's just. I know. It's remarkable. It's almost like for me, on a lot of levels. TV mania really couldn't have come out at any other time than now. <laughs> it's a bizarre thing, but it just seems to, um, it feels completely right right now for some reason. Mm. Where maybe in 2002, 2003, 2004, maybe it wouldn't have. Because it, it has blown up the social network, whatever you want to call it, this everything in the phone thing people watching their favorite television shows on their phone in the car as they drive home from work it's a bit much I know I don't participate in any way shape or form but dude I love the idea of being able to write an album and a billion people can buy it on their phone <laughs> yeah we couldn't say that in the 90s no I'm not going to get through to a billion people but just the idea that it's like that now where they not they don't even have to go to the shop you know, they can just do the whole thing, like in the song Paramount, right there. Just point by the track, done. Yeah. Strange. Me.
must be completed within the next 30 seconds. Thank you. Thank you for shopping at the Paramount. Please return to the Paramount. But then again, that's all part of what TV Mania was about, isn't it? It's about people losing their lives into a system. Yeah, it certainly was. It was a you know, it was a scary future scenario that came all too soon, didn't it? Oh. You know, and people were a lot of people were thinking about it, writing about it, like you know, the scriptwriter of the Truman Show came out with the film like the year after we did this kind of thing, a year and a half, whatever all the reality shows. I remember when we were working on other stuff in privacy there, you know, we were talking about some, you know, something that was going on in Japan. There's some guy was getting filmed or something for like a month, not coming out of his room or something. And there was something else going on in, in Holland. It seemed like there was stuff coming out of Holland and Japan based on this kind of, you know, filming an individual in an, in an unusual circumstance. Using a hidden camera. 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 Go online. 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 Into the galactic internet. Using a hidden camera. 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 Go online. 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 Using a hidden camera. 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 Go online. Into the galactic internet. Using a hidden camera. 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 Go online. Internet. Right, I, oh, dude, I, I think I got to... Yeah, I was going to say, it. I think we've probably come to a natural conclusion. Yeah, awesome, dude. Enjoyed it. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. I shall um, speak to you shortly in the next... All right, man. In the next phase. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it going. Yeah, All right, cool. Talk All right. soon. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sonic Talk. I hope you've got some insights into the technology we used in the making of the TV Mania album, and I hope you found it interesting. Next week, the podcast returns to its normal live schedule at 4pm UK time on Wednesday. You can find the live feed at sonicstate.com forward slash live. 
You can find out about me from likebeing.com. You can find out more about the TV Mania album from tvmaniamusic.com. You can find out more about Nick Rhodes from durandaram.com. And you can find out more about Warren Cucurudo from www.cucurudo.tv. That's C-U-C-C-U-R-U-L-L-O dot TV.